This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want a checking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And puts Graham back in front. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. Hey, welcome to Danny Boyd, to the great podcast about the Footscray Football Club, a Trietry Limited Trading as Western Bulldogs. My co-host, Tom Boyd, welcome. Great to be here again. Another exciting episode ahead, I'm sure. Mate, I have huge news for us. Huge news. We are currently ranked uh, number 35 in the uh, sports pos- uh, category in Australia. Very exciting. For podcasts. Very good, very good. But we are also number 244 Sports podcast in Indonesia. Let's go. <laughs> Very exciting. Salamat puggy to all the Indonesian bulldogs and a big salamat puggy to our uh, guest today. Um, if you've ever been to a bulldogs function, you would have uh, seen this man do his magic. He's been the MC since uh, since the club was inaugurated oh, in uh, not quite that far. Eighteen eighty three. Kevin Hillier, welcome. Hello, 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 Tom. Hello, Danny. Lovely to be here. Sel- what is it, Salomon Puggy? Salomon Puggy. 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 Okay. Salomon means uh, is like it's greeting. Good morning. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and Puggy means that. So if you say Salomon Makan, means enjoy your meal. So one of my podcasts is big in the Cayman Islands. What do I do with that? <laughs> Is that like give me give me the money? Is, is that, that your is financial? That that I'm not exactly sure what the connotations of being associated with the Cayman Islands <laughs> mean for you, Kev. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. Hey, you do a few podcasts. Let's get let's get the plugs out of the way. Which podcasts are you doing? These uh, days? Well, we do Life of Brian, which is the one I do with Brian Mannix, uh, where we have people like Alice Cooper and Johnny Rotten and all those Susie Quattro and all those people have a chat to us, and they all know Brian. Brian Mannix, for, for people, Tom, Tom, do you know who Brian Mannix is? No idea. Is? Yeah, no. fair enough. Let's explain it to, to Junior. I'm only 25. <laughs> Brian Mannix is a uh, bit of a rock legend here in Australia. He was a lead singer. Was he a singer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of the Uncanny X-Men, who were a great pub rock band. Yeah, they were. How big did they get, Kev? Because I'm uh, not a huge years, music guy. 50 Years was a number two hit. They had uh, platinum albums, gold albums. Okay. Yeah, they had uh, three or four top ten singles. What, would, what would be the an equivalent band that uh, Tom would have heard of? What would be the modern equivalent of the Uncanny the X-Men? The oh, yeah. I know them. <laughs> Brian will love that. They are Australia's Beatles. Okay, yeah, yep, we can work with that. And uh, you do a Bulldogs podcast as well? Yeah, do Two Dogs, which is uh, we get a couple of old uh, former players and get them to have a chat about their, their memories from the club. So we've done all sorts of people from... Uh, from Gordon Casey and uh, Bernie Quinlan and Barry Round through to, uh, you know, uh, Scotty West and a few of the more modern-day boys like Crossy and uh, and that have been on it as well. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, good how time. old do you have to be to get on this podcast? <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you, you don't qualify. You make the height requirement, but you don't make the age requirement yet. It'll be a little bit more. It's like the Hall of Fame in America. You've got to be retired for a certain amount of time before you You need to know who the uncanny X-Men are. <laughs> and then you're allowed in. Right. Research is on the cards. And the other one I do, which you've both done, is, uh, is the first... Food Bites podcast with my lovely wife Sarah Patterson. Yeah, we just talk about uh, you know food, which what is what you like to eat and drink, and what you like in the kitchen. 
That's right. Yeah, average. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you eat pre-meal? Well, I've been asking a few few players that. What do I eat? Yeah, pre-match, I mean, sorry. Pre-meal. What do you eat pre-meal? Pre- yeah. Pre-meal. It's been a long time since I've done I used to, I used to when I played cricket, I used to uh, have a big feed of bacon and eggs the morning before we played. I loved it. I, I reckon it worked for me. Because you're a proper where did, athlete. Where did you spend your time on the cricket field? <laughs> Fine league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's most like you get to the canteen, Tom. Yeah, that's right. Going to be there. Uh, also, uh, just while we're doing plugs, uh, uh, I'm doing the Sydney Comedy Festival on May 1st. It'd be great to see any New South Welsh Bulldogs fans uh, to come. It's doing the Enmore Theatre, and we've just, due to COVID restrictions, being relaxed up there. I've got a whole bunch more tickets. So oh, good. Please come along because uh, it's not an AFL town, so I'm not selling the tickets as fast as I did in Melbourne. And also, uh, my other podcast, They Came to Play, is doing a live show at the Comics Lounge this Sunday. Uh, we're going to be heckling the Essendon Collingwood match uh, with a whole bunch of uh, great. Co- we got Eddie Betts uh, for that, but we've also got great comedians: Broden Kelly, Dave Thornton, uh, Paul Collegia. Uh, it's going to be a fun ben day. Ben Dixon's out. coming too. Ben Dixon's so coming. Yeah, Chelsea Roffey, everyone's favourite goal umpire. That's right. Very Must exciting. be nice to be back out in front of a crowd again. Oh, it's so good. Oh man, I've just I've just been watching the um, on the I've, I've played Sydney last night through the playing the the, doc, the Amazon Prime documentary making their mark and we're up to the bit where they're just playing in front of empty crowds. It's, horrible. it's just oh, it's triggering. Yeah, just yeah. this. Oh, it's such a. Conversely, how are you going back at suburban footy playing in front of people who you can hear every single word that they say, all that sort <laughs> so of stuff? It's actually yeah. funny you asked that. We played um, Old Brighton on the weekend and uh, it we, we, were, we were, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we were blessed with wonderful weather down at Old Brighton. It's one of those silly grounds that they pointed the wrong direction. It's faces uh, east-west instead of north-south. So we got the sun in your eyes half the game and, and often like, you know, the Williamstown City Oval, which is just a, a hellhole to play in at times with the weather. We, we were really lucky. But what we weren't lucky with was that there is a huge cohort of what must have been under-19s boys who <laughs> seriously need to work on what kind of insults they're coming up with. Because after <laughs> I kept, kicked my fifth on the weekend, they called me a princess. And I said, I don't really understand the reference, seeing as I've kicked more goals than anyone else on the ground. Actually, I remember, Boydie, uh, when you were still playing, we, uh, us having a conversation about who was the most disappointing sledges. And you told me it was the demons and the kangaroos. Mm. Well, I mean, I've played some games in uh, in places in particular like um, uh, Ballarat and playing down in Launceston where you seem to hear things far more. It's like there's still seven or eight, ten thousand 10,000 people there, but when it's quiet, it's really quiet. Yeah. Eddie had actually served his purpose a little bit as well, which is surprising to people because when it when the sound stops, it really stops and then you can hear some idiot <laughs> in the crowd abusing you very clearly, which, um, look, you know, these two teams who have probably struggled a little bit over the last few years and, and we seem to have the wood over them a little bit. Yep. So are you talking that from, from the crowd, uh, mm. the, the, the heckles? Or what about the on-field sledges? Who's, is there anyone who's particularly good at it or particularly bad at it? Oh, I always tell people this because this is something that always gets asked to me, especially when I'm doing tour and stuff and they were like oh you know what was the, the heckling like did you it's really you know intense on the field I said to be honest most players barring the sort of top echelon of fitness um, levels are too tired they're too tired to heckle and after the uh, first yeah. 10 minutes everyone's just trying to get through the game unscathed and um, you know, it's probably one of the great fallacies that it's you know just rife with heckling. Every so minute when of every we game. see a Tom Lynch, like I saw him the other night uh, after he kicked a goal, turn around and it looked like he was giving it to someone. Mm. So he's not really. He's he's. I don't I don't know the incident you're talking about. Is this Adelaide Tom Lynch or or Richmond Tom Richmond. Lynch? 
Oh, really? Well, he's horrible. Uh, he's, I'm sure that if you're standing down at full forward for long enough and you play for the biggest club in the country, you're probably <laughs> getting abused <laughs> at some stage. So um, I'm sure Tom had a, a very good reason to turn around and Fair give enough. them some You've got to bring logic into the argument. Well, then that ruins it for me. That's Tom. right. That's right. <laughs> is, is the only time that you can really sledge someone is when you've, you've kicked five goals? Uh, well, I didn't sledge the guys <laughs> in the fence. Though we did, so we win with, one with the last kick of the day, pretty much. Was and, it you? And it, no, it wasn't me. Ah. Yeah, and a couple of the a couple of the boys managed to turn around and just remind the under nineteens <laughs> that you know we'd won and that they weren't allowed to speak anymore, which of course set them off on quite a few of it. Um, you know, all good fun, all part of the suburban uh, experience. Good. Yeah, good, good. I do remember the um, the the first game back against Collingwood uh, when I, I called uh, that one of the one of the tackles was maybe too high, maybe took uh, you know was about to take the guy's head off, mm. and a Collingwood supporter behind me went, "Mate, I'll take your head off," and I was like, "I've missed this." <laughs> <laughs> So, Kev, Essendon are the ugliest supporters. I don't like Essendon. Really? Yeah. You reckon Essendon supporters are are, are more feral than Richmond supporters? And that goes back to the 1985 uh, grand final when we we made the prelim final, got beaten by Hawthorne. Still had, they used to buy grand final series tickets then. So, you sat in a block of all Bulldogs people. So, for the prelim final, we're all in this block of, of, uh, of seats, all Bulldogs people. So then, of course, we lose the prelim final, the famous... Controversially. Lee Matthews, Brad Hardy, whatever you want to do, that 85 prelim. So I turn up the next week to go to the grand final. Everybody at Footscray has sold their tickets. (laughs) Understandably. (laughs) So I'm walking in and there's not another person I've seen in the last four weeks who I've been sitting with during the final series there. There are all these other people, all in Essendon garb. All bought their tickets for obviously an exorbitant price from, um, you know, <laughs> Footscray people. Who've gone, well, we're not the grand final, so I'll sell the ticket. I might as well salvage something out of this. So I'm sitting in a nest of, of Essendon people, and Essendon obviously had a very good 1985 grand final, and they were turning around to me because they obviously picked out that I was the odd one out. Oh, uh, yeah, that's why you're not here because Footscray is shit. Oh, that's and the it, worst. All day. All day, and they're winning, and I'm turning to this bloke and sitting in front of me, mate, you're winning the grand final. Why don't you shut up and watch the game? Yeah. Why don't you just... Just that? horrible. So I, I never, I have not been to a grand final since, and uh, I'm imagining we'll talk about the 2016 one yes, later. Yes, yeah, um, I've, got, I've got your sad yeah, story. Yes, yes. The, uh, uh, not been to another grand final since, and I can't go to a, a Essendon supporters I have to stay away from. Wow, it's not I, like an intervention order officially, but it sort of is. I can't excuse the Carlton supporters in my life. So I grew up as a Carlton supporter, and you know my dad and, and my mum's from Denmark, so she didn't have a say in the matter. And for some reason or another, all of Dad's business partners seem to be in the same um, the same uh, fanfare. But then the excuses that they would come up with to abuse their own players <laughs> was extraordinary. And this was like ten minutes into the first quarter, and they're abusing the absolute hell out of them. I'm trying to work out. As a potential AFL player, whether it's worth playing for a club where their supporters don't even care enough to give you the benefit of the doubt. Surely every club has its feral fans that abuse you. Like you would, you, you mean, we've talked about it, the, the the horrible things that Bulldogs fans, the backhanded compliments mm. you got all oh, throughout yeah. your career. Yeah, I mean, look, I always say in the heat of the moment in the game, you, there are some excuses you can make for people uh, abusing the players on the field. It's emotion-filled and, and everyone's excited. But, you know, the one-to-one interactions I've had with people who have come up to me with those backhand compliments yeah. or, or comments that you, you mentioned. Do they not know you're six foot six and, you know... <laughs> Did they not see that? Well, they, that's the exact point, though, right, Kevin? The, the, the ability for them to realise that I'm trapped in a in a position where I can't do anything but accept what they're saying to yeah. me, and so they take this, the the free 
East Wing. That's been the most. Um, You're like a sedated me. tiger in Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're getting their photo with yeah, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're just. Yeah. Are you allowed, give, you allowed to give it to them now if someone comes up and says. Oh, you're overrated, boy. Princess, what are you doing at St. Kevin's? Couldn't even get the winning goal. I got abused on the weekend and got told that I'm only at St. Kevin's for the money. And I did. I had to fail to point out that I left a lot of money behind to join an amateur football club. It seemed like there was a lot of holes in the argument. So you keep bringing logic into football. You've got to stop doing that. Well, see, the logic is what helps me sleep at night because I'm like just straight over my head these comments because it doesn't make any sense. So, Kev, you've been at the Bulldogs for how long? What, what is the story? How did you get to be the, the Doyen MC, the Sinatra oh, okay. well, of Match born, Day MCs? I was born just down the street from where we were sitting in, in Laverton because Dad was in the Air Force at Laverton. So, okay. Yeah, I was born in, in Alm Street, Lab, uh, the Footscray General Hospital. So, red, white and blue from, from birth. Okay. Johnny Schultz, Ted Whitten were, the, were the, my boyhood idols, so the ones that I ran around the backyard pretending to be. So uh, that started there. Then I went to Queensland. With Dad moved in the Air Force, so I went to Queensland. Then came back, and when I came back uh, to start radio uh, in Melbourne in '82, uh, sort of flounced around, wasn't doing. I was working weekends, which you do in radio, so there wasn't a lot of getting to the footy. And then Stephen Lunn, who uh, the club recruited from Geelong, with a bit of a lad, was uh, Lunny. Um, I sent a letter out to each cop because so I was writing a column in the footy record called Ruck and Roll. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was doing that as part of the XY deal and uh, wrote a letter to every club saying, if you've got something you want to plug, or well, let me know and we'll do it on the radio show and we'll put it in the column as well. So Lanny got on to me and um, said, oh, you know, we've got this auction coming up. And da-da. I said, he said, uh, who do you back for? So I'm a Bulldogs man, but I haven't sort of connected with the club or anything. He said... Oh, hang on a minute. So next minute he's in at 3XY with a bag of goodies, East Coast goodies and all that sort of stuff and said, you know, come to the auction, da 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 So the auction in 84, I think it was, or 83 or 84, was the first time I went to a function and they got me up to draw a raffle or do something and that was the start of it. And they just saw you. They, you drew that raffle and they went, this guy's good. And then, then, uh, <laughs> Who then, was the club president then? Uh, Tony Capes. So Tony Capes there with a big cigar and just say, I like this kid. I ain't going to get him to MC. Dr. Tony Capes, so he didn't have a cigar. Uh, Yeah, so Tony. And then they go, Sean O'Sullivan was GM. He took me to the, or invited me to the president's lunch and uh, sat down. And uh, Jared Maguire, who was an actor on Prisoner, was the the MC. Um, And he said, that's the gig I want you to do. I want you to do the lunches. I said, okay. So I started doing the lunches in 84 and... From there, bang. How many functions do you reckon you've emceed? Well, see, between 84 to about 98, I did everything. Yeah. I did all the coterie groups, all their nighttime functions. I did all the club functions, the best and fairest. I did everything. So I've got no idea. It's... it would be thousands. Wow. It would be thousands. You know, the first time I ever saw you, I, I went to a club function once. This what, two, the Thursday night ones? It was a yeah. Thursday night, 2003, when we were stone motherless last. And my mate bought, uh, bought us tickets for my 21st birthday. And uh, we, we were so bad. It was the last going into the last game of the year and you were reading out the teams and everything. And actually, the first interaction we had was me heckling you, oh, Kev. And I, I'm going to apologise uh, now. <laughs> Do you not know I'm six foot five? No. no, no. <laughs> well, I, actually, I think this is really interesting because, you know, obviously these days they're fairly scripted, these sort of events, and they do sort of shelter players a little bit from, you know, being asked too many difficult questions. When I turn up at the club, it's exciting. But then later on, when it was a bit more challenging for me to sort of deal with, they, they kept me away from the onstage time did they always do that no. or did they just throw caution to the wind throw the new players to the walls and hope for the best yep yep i can remember uh ryan hargrave 
Shaggy. How, uh, was literally wetting himself. He was so nervous. I said, mate, it's going to be okay. I'm looking up. I'm a Bulldogs man. And he looked at me. He was like, <laughs> no, that, that was pretty much it. They only have recent years that they've started to do that media sort of shielding players from stuff. That, mm. uh, but back in the 80s and 90s, no, they're fair game, everything. Yeah, oh, yeah, I imagine you would have seen some really interesting oh, interviews over I'm years. gonna get into those. I want to know the best uh, inter- player interview and the worst. But I want, also just want to tell you the heckle because uh, they played the Bulldogs theme song at the start of the function, yep. and you came out and said we were about to. I think we were going over to Perth to play West Coast for our final match, and we were we were last. They were in finals, and you said that's the last time you're gonna hear that song. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, "Oi, no, it's not." And you went, "Oh, do you think we'll win?" I went, "No, but they play it when they run onto the ground." <laughs> <laughs> hey, very good point. Thank yeah, you very much. I would have said at the time. Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, look, it's really hard to talk to players and to do those functions when you're getting flogged. Jeez, yeah. they're hard. They're hard to do. And you, yeah. and you feel sorry for the players because everyone in the crowd wants, wants you to ask the hard question, but you also want to keep a relationship with the player. So, yep. you don't say, so why do we get flogged by 20 goals? Yeah, Jesus, what's going on? And the player you're asking is not playing on the day, at the least in the match day functions. Yeah. So there's probably either a reason for that, that they're injured or they're not in the team. So they probably don't know the answers. See, that's the other thing too. We'd never had players in match day functions. Never had them in match day. Um. Have them afterwards, but most of the time that would be after. That would be after the aftermatch, so they at least had four or five beers by mm. then, so they were fine. And even yeah. if they'd lost, so could, would you have to interview them then? Yeah. Like, so why, yeah. why did you suck today? But there wasn't that much, uh, I'm thinking back, uh, that was only sort of mid-90s, I reckon, that came in that they started doing players speaking in front of a crowd after the game. Okay. In was that a Wallace stuff. thing, maybe? Yeah, I don't remember why that started. Uh, Terry Wheeler brought the aftermatch back, because it had been given the Kyber, and uh, mm. he brought it back, because he said, I want to I want to interact with the players from the other clubs, and I yep. want you blokes to. So he had, you know, I remember standing with Terry Wheeler one day and Matthew Knights walked past him and he went, oh, that's what Matthew Knights looks like up close. <laughs> Without a footy jumper on. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, that, yeah, it was, it was very different in terms of the expectations of what players would do. It was a lot different, a lot different. Man, and so who who is there any old interviews that stand out in your brain for either being or is there players that were surprisingly eloquent and great for a chat or or and 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 conversely my, the other side I like, had my favourites had my favourites Steve McPherson and, and Doug Hawkins were favourites because you know we used to we used to knock around a bit and Steve was always good for a song or you know he'd, he'd sing if if need be if you wanted to get him to do American Pie so he, <laughs> oh there you go that's pretty good that's a ten minute that'll yeah. fill us some time yeah, <laughs> drag that one out. Oh, most of, most of them pretty good. Simon Beasley was always good fun. Oh, really? Yeah, Beasley was good. Beasley always uh, and Beasley always took took uh, the Mickey out of himself. He was quite happy to do that. That's what you want. That's that's always that's like very uh, easy easy fodder for a footballer. You yeah, just do a bit of self deprecation in the crowd. Like, yeah, yes. there was. I mean, there was a lot of blokes who did just who were absolutely mortified by having a microphone thrust into their. Gob. I remember uh, Matthew Croft after his first game. I think he kicked five. I think he'd come to us as pretty good for a defender. As a defender, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's ticked five on debut or something like that. And he was he was terrific. I was quite surprised because he was, you know, country boy out of Bendigo and stuff. I thought, oh, here we go. He won't be able to put two words together. And he was actually great. I went, oh, okay, fine. You know, do you know someone who's quite that, that everyone says that about? Tom Boyd. Mm. Everyone, everyone's always like, wow, he's really eloquent. You're supposed to, you, you are supposed to be a meathead, Boydy. Yeah. Um, yeah, must have been all that public speaking at school, I suppose. <laughs> Um, but does it lost some of the magic over the years, do you think, the conversations that you had? Because obviously there's not as much authenticity and the players are a bit confined in what they can say. And it's also a bit more filmed and publicised and yeah, just talked about. Yeah, there's that. I mean, the, 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 you know, the two Collingwood boys getting their phones out, thing, that's the yeah, sort of, of intrusion that I don't reckon's fair mm. uh, to the modern-day players. Uh, yeah, 
I think it's it's overfilmed and overproduced, and and I think I think even as players now, you actually know you're actually programmed before you even get into the system about how the system works yeah. and what you can and can't say. So I'm not going to get a great divulging. Oh, I won't be playing next week, Kev, because I actually tore my hamstring mm. in the third quarter. You don't get any of that. Yeah, stuff and anymore. it's culturally programmed by the fact that everyone in the media who's an ex AFL player, or a current AFL player, doesn't share a lot of themselves, um, yep. which obviously filters down into the youth who are coming into the game. Which is why uh, now everyone has such a perverse thing about uh, the cameras in the rooms and wanting to see all that stuff mm. because uh, it's it's now expected that you'll see all that. I don't I, I don't actually think that should be part of it. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's of part of the the access that is part of the CBA. Unfortunately, and that's where the money comes from. And Do you, part- you feel violated by that sometimes? By Hang on, that, on. That CBA is not Commonwealth Bank of Australia. What, what's CBA? <laughs> the collect, collective bargaining. Collective agreement. bargaining. Okay, agreement, yeah. Which is obviously the significant piece of revenue that the AFL has to confine yeah. to pay the players and the staff and everyone involved. So, so you just accept that they will be there when you're at three quarter time, and you know the coach wants to rip your head off. That there will be a camera somewhere filming that. Oh, yeah, you're on view and on display 100% of the time that you walk into the ground, get out of your car, and then after that it's it's free-for-all. So it's like it's a bit like being on Big Brother. There's cameras <laughs> everywhere, do you, and you don't relax too. Suddenly, you get home and you've closed the door, and you can. <sighs> There's more cameras than on Big Brother. That's for sure. I mean, think about an <laughs> AFL game of footy. There is cameras absolutely everywhere, and and look, it's part of access. And I think fans do find it interesting. But then you know, talk about the the on the mark or man the mark, the one that's just making the making mark. the mark. Sorry. Yep. Um, that's the sort of intrusion that, for me, would have been very difficult to deal with because that's a different insight than has previously been displayed, which is, you know, the Leon Cameron abusing someone oh, yeah, and yeah. really going after them, which, you know, this happens at every club, but it's not something that's usually released to the public for them to actually openly access Stephen Coniglio's um, frame of mind yeah. or, or whoever else it is, and it's just a, one example out of many, but that's a really difficult thing that I wouldn't have dealt with well considering that it directly displays the relationship between a coach and a player. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised how how blunt a lot of the footage has been so far. Can I ask you, though, on media training, how much, what is actual media training? When you're, when you're drafted, do you get taken into a room and they run you through the cliches, or or do they just trust your common sense? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't I don't know what this media training is. To be honest, that everyone always talks about it, and it's a really weird like story that they came up with. Oh, that we train our boys. I'm like, what are you training them in? Like, thank you. The only preparation you can get for any interview is basically you know read throughs of what they're going to ask you. And to be honest, the training is the training of the staff to protect the players by confining them to a small box and a small group of people who can have access to them. <laughs> and then you know, depending on who they are, they get more access. And, and more leniency. There, there was a girl who was the uh, the media manager at the club for a while, um, who got a, a very fancy nickname at one stage. But she would literally walk in and say, "You won't be asking him about this, this, or this." Yeah, okay, fine. Or I'd get a brief before I do a, a, a you know a Thursday night thing or something, saying, "Don't talk to him about saying." Do you think? Well, why would you think I would bring up? That particular, you know, mm. say, say something like using phones in changing yeah, yeah, rooms. Of course, some why sort of would scandal. you think I'd bring that up? Because you're a hard-hitting journalist, Well, Kev. You're, in, you're in front of you know, 200 Bulldogs people in a Bulldogs function. You're not going to do the bad stuff. Mm. That doesn't come up in that sort of Yeah, Yeah, and situation. I think that's the issue, right? Like, So there's an argument to be said of protecting some players, definitely, and I think yeah, there is there is, there is utility in doing that. But there's also the argument to say that if you can find people who are eloquent enough to speak, then they're always going to make a mistake because you're giving them such small parameters yeah. and then the nerves and the, the sort of confinement that you give them makes them feeling very uptight and then, you know, they're trying fill the space that the media members leave for them to uh to fill yep. did, did you ever say the wrong thing in an interview Boydie? no nah, no nah. 
that, and Kev, have you ever asked the wrong question? Oh, I'm sure I have. Oh, but no, you were never told? You were never pulled aside and said, dude, we don't ask about the domestic violence charges. No, you know no, no. I don't ever remember being chipped about any of that sort of stuff. And I've always been – see, I don't, I don't have – I don't walk in with notes and stuff for players. I know what I want to talk to them about before I walk in, but I just kind of freeform it and listen to what you guys say yeah. and then take my cue from that. Yeah, I mean, I've always appreciated the human connection when I was talking to you. I mean, I did my first ever interview at the club pretty much with you on yeah. stage at the season launch, I yeah. presume. There is actually one thing that I did say that apparently was wrong. So okay. leading into the the, Giants. the prelim, I did an interview with um, uh, with Emma Quayle, who I had good relationship with previously because she did the AIS tour with yeah. us and stuff. She's a uh, brilliant lady. And ended up Real- working at GMS. Yeah, and ended up yeah. working there later. Yeah. So she interviewed me and she was asking sort of about, you know, my journey to here and the issues I'd face and blah, 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 all, all of the regular stuff. And then at some stage I'd brought up that I'd had a sore shoulder. Now, I'd dislocated my shoulder at the start of the year. I'd missed four weeks. I'd had it strapped the whole season, and I'd been strapping it, non-strapping it, taking it in and out. Like, it was just so obvious that it was an issue, <laughs> and I told her about it. And I remember Stephen King came up to me, and he's like, you shouldn't have told him about it. They're going to target you this week. I'm like, they already target me. <laughs> like, what do you mean? It's strapped up. I'm not going to, like, I can't hide the fact that I've got a sore shoulder. It's yeah. so loose that it comes out all the time, and it's fine. I can deal with it. I'm using the skin colour bandages. Yeah. It's camouflage. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. won't tell. And then, so, obviously, uh, Ruffy gets injured. I play the whole game against Mummy in the ruck, and he's punching the shoulder the whole time. And I'm like, Mummy, it's the wrong side. The other side's sore. <laughs> and now this side's sore, but it doesn't really matter. And it's not going to change anything. So it, that's just one of those little stories where I understand if you're limited for, say, speed or you can't jump or change direction, but it's like I've got an upper limb injury that's been taped for 12 yeah. months. I'm pretty sure they know about it. And if they want to put time into it, they can. <laughs> so, yeah, did you strap the wrong shoulder for the premium? No, or? I didn't. No, no, I strapped but the But right. mummy just got it wrong. No, no, no. He was punching. Sorry, wrong side. I mean, he was punching the front when the back was sore. But. <sighs> It's just it's just one of those things where you know there's there's the nanny state of trying to confine players to not being able to say anything takes something away from the game I think because yeah. there are so many interesting and intrinsic characters who yeah. probably have lost a lot of their spark over the years I'd say yeah, yeah. a lot of their naturalness yeah they're, they're more guarded they it's almost think music when you ask a question sometimes <laughs> yeah it's like uh, I can't say about the things so oh yeah Kev well that's okay. why it's yeah. exciting when you get to interview Libba because he's not going to say the wrong thing but you actually have no idea what he's going to say yeah, yeah of course yeah, that's but that, that, that's the trap right so when you say that people can't say anything and then the trained journalists will ask you a question that's open-ended and then when you finish talking, they'll just wait until you say something else and that's where you make your mistake. Ah. So if you're confined and say, oh, I can't say that, I can't say that, the emptiness and the silence is what drags you into saying something you should You just said a really interesting thing, the trained journalist. The smart journalist wait and let you yep. fill that gap in. They'll leave that, it's that Mike Willisie thing where you leave that gap mm. because you go, okay, so well, what's, what is the story with your shoulder, Tom? And you'll go, da-da-da-da-da, and I'll just sit there and wait and mm. you'll go, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's better now than it was four weeks ago. Oh, why? What was wrong with it four weeks right. ago? You, so you, just, you create your own question. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, this week I interviewed uh, Ed Richards before the uh, for the the Suns game. Mm. And the, 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 the other thing that people don't realise when you're doing match day and seeing is uh, yeah, you do a whole bunch of coterie groups. So I'm doing top dogs, player sponsors, past players. It's very hard to pretend to do the same interview several times. <laughs> How do you... Because what I do is I just try and ask different questions for each so one. Do I. You yep. get through the, you know, why aren't you playing? How's your knee, your ankle, with Ed Richards and ankle? Uh, and then I try and just, you know, come up with something uh, yep. interesting. And that's what you do as well? Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. You ask the, st- the two that have to be asked, why aren't you playing today? How is the hamstring going? When are we likely to see you back? And then you go to the... Okay, so... 
how have you found, uh, you know. Yeah, what, we, get, we were I talking I can actually imagine your voice doing it because I've, I've distinctly heard both of you rush out those two questions and start, right, let's get this over with. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? When are you back? Yep. Okay, what's next? Yep. And then and then you actually get into the human part of the player, which, to be honest, that's what the value proposition for having someone at a coterie function should be. Like, yes. you don't know Ed Richards well. No. He's who he is. Hey, by the way, how yeah. tall do you reckon Ed Richards is? Do you, have you, have just you interviewed on, him? He's just on six, six and a bit, I think. He's way taller than you think. Yeah. He looks tiny out on the yeah. field. He's, and then, a big, he's a big, strong lad now, too, yeah. isn't he? He's filled he's an out exciting over player. Mm. I want to have him back. Um, but so, uh, neither of you guys just admitted to me before you uh, didn't fully watch the, uh, the Gold Coast game. No, on no, the weekend, I was no, playing footy, so I was, I was stuck. Working. Yeah, all right. I well, was working. We're both making money. <laughs> good, <laughs> that's right. That's I've got right. really good news. We won. That's right. Oh yay! <laughs> it was uh, you know, that first half was just one of the most dominant uh, displays. That it's very un like in years past the dogs have never been dominant. We, even when we're very good, we just sort of win comfortably and then take the foot off the accelerator. But since you know, then we North Melbourne, we put the the you know we absolutely destroyed them and. I found with the fans, it's a very natural thing for footy fans to just immediately fall into the next echelon of expectation and privilege. Mm. Because in the third quarter, when Gold Coast came back, the, there was anger in the people around me. Just really? to, yeah, like genuinely. And then like Bont kicked a goal, and like everyone's like, "Yeah, finally!" I'm like, "Yeah, well, cool." Now we're only forty points up. Yeah, it's not. It's it. People would. Yeah, a bit angrier than I, th- I thought we needed we to be. In, we've turned into the microwave supporter, haven't we? Unless it happens in 15 seconds, we're not happy with it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, you know. It's calls for Norton to be dropped because he didn't kick 11. Yeah, <laughs> it sh- shook, shook the underdog card off pretty quick, didn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was uh, driving home from Geelong listening in the car, and the, the commentary in that second quarter was they'd run out, they actually ran out of words to describe how, <laughs> how good yeah. the doggies were. Yeah, and I think it's really, really evident that. The rule change that really slowed us down, being the third man up getting taken out in 2016, has come back around in spades because this man on the mark rule suits our midfield to a T. We've got too too much speed, too much power, too much class in there, and we are just destroying teams. you, You guys surely have seen Trelaw's goal. Where mm. he, uh, well, it's Dunk. I would like to call it Dunkley's goal because he does that amazing hand pass. And uh, no, sorry, it's Lockie Hunter, amazing hand pass to Dunkley, who immediately gives it to Traw, runs through the, the center square, big boot. And I love that Norton left it. Yep. Norton could have easily ran on and socket it through, but he left it. Now, Boydie, from a, would that be he wants Trelaw to get the glory of such an amazing goal? Or is that uh, also, or maybe possibly, you know, we love having Trelaw here and we want to make him feel welcome to give him the kick? Or is it, uh, why, why would he have done that? Uh, do you want the politically correct answer? Or the in, 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 give us the player answer and okay, then give the play, us the, the non-player answer. The player answer. answer is that there's room for error in every possession. So if the ball looks like it's travelling through, it's actually easier to stop your man because they don't pay any free kicks on the goal line yep. than it is to try and soccer it or that's the confusing bit. The, the non-politically correct answer is that it was a mistake because Aaron, <laughs> Aaron is a full forward and he should be trying to kick as many goals as he can because no one's going to give you any easy outs down there. You know? Which is, there was another game I saw a highlight of on the weekend where the ball was clearly going through and there was, a, I think it was the Geelong game, there was a Geelong bloke standing next to, I think it might have been Luke Dalhouse. Yep. Um, and he hadn't kicked a goal in AFL footy and he could easily have just let him grab that ball and kick it, but no, he grabbed the ball and kicked it through. Yep. 
Yeah, well, there, there is that's a small forward for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a uh, quick shout-out to Luke. Obviously, he doesn't play the club, but 200 games this week for oh, Lukey Dell. I saw on Instagram today. It's very exciting. I Well-deserved. Yeah, I really I, miss him. I really miss him too. He was a brilliant player for us for a long time. And he was a good chat. when you. He was, him. actually, yeah. He was good. He was good value, Luke. Mm. So, anyway, enough about that. Hey, got, moving on to uh, before we get to your tragic grand final story, Kev. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to just do a. <laughs> Don't qu- laugh, Tom. It is. It's very, very hard. I don't know it yet, so <laughs> it's very hard. Phil, we've got no, you'll laugh. Trust. GWS this Friday, oh, the Tom Boyd Cup. Everyone, everyone hates. It. I remembered a story yesterday that no, I've never told before about some uh, some uh, corporate espionage that I took part in in uh, 2016. Really? So I, this was when uh, the, I was doing the banners and getting a lot of media attention. The club was getting a lot of media attention for the funny banners and they were playing against uh, GWS and I f- get a call from another comedian in Sydney who's and he s- said, GWS asked me a few days ago to come up with funny banners to slag off the Bulldogs. And I went... Really? Why are you telling me this? He said, because they've just rejected all my suggestions. <laughs> and I'm angry and I want you to know. And oh, at that wow. point, yeah. So, and then he's uh, like, so I found out what they were going to put on their banner, which was something like, uh, you know, get four points for what's written on your banner. Just having a dig at the banners, oh. which is fine. And we were about to do a banner of, you know, just slagging off GWS as we should. But then uh, Jared Roughhead uh, was diagnosed with cancer again. And so we went, Hang on, no, we and so I suggested a banner something like "Any cousin of Jordan's is a cousin of ours," uh, which and Jordan said no. I'd, Jordan wasn't comfortable with that yeah. because uh, you know he's a he's a humble man, didn't want yeah, to be centre of attention. So we just made it. Um, uh, our thoughts are with you, Ruffy Number Two, mm. and uh, but we knew that GWS were going to slag off. At us with their wacky banner whilst we're having a very heartfelt banner. Oh, nice. And so I then texted a few members of the cheer squad saying, you need to get on Twitter and slag off their banner. <laughs> and sadly, though, they got distracted by the match and didn't happen. And I've since chatted to the uh, uh, GWS media manager who said they, they were all really panicked that they were going to mm. get on footy classified for, oh. for that. Do you remember what was on their banner? Yeah, it was said, you know, it was it was a rhyme, but the punchline was you don't get four points for what's written on your banner. Oh, this yeah. is the problem with trying to just like fabricate a comedian to come in rather than having a bulldog supporter who's actually a comedian Thank who you. understands the temperature of the room. It's the yep. difference between the the Sun song and the Giant song. The Sun song was written by clearly a committee who got in a whole bunch of musicians, whereas the Giant song was written by the Cat Empire. And as much as I hate hearing it because it means they've won, it's the best song in the it's league. It's a wonderful song. It yeah. is a good song. I must admit, yeah. it is a good song. Yeah. Don't want to hear it this weekend though, except when they run onto the ground. Except when they run onto the <laughs> That's ground. That's right, and yeah, they're still asking me about the uh, the Giants and the Dogs rivalry. We've been on radio this afternoon, so who are you? Who are you, where are you on? I mean, uh, this will have come out. Where were you on uh, earlier today? Uh, I think I'm on SEN. I, All right, sweet. I don't know who I'm on with. Just I'll deal with it later. But um, <laughs> it is one of the great modern day rivalries in it's footy, brilliant fun. and it has organically grown over the past six or seven years to actually something that's real. Because you know, there's rivalries that they pump up for the oh. sake of it, just to get. They used to do rivalry round. Do you remember that, Kev? Oh. And and like inevitably we would get Richmond, which which I was fine with because that's a proper yeah. rivalry with the Liberal Knights. Big, big ticket on Richmond too. would get very annoyed, yeah, because they don't see us as a rival. Yep. But then they'd put us against St Kilda, and it's like, oh, just because we only won one premiership. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, we're both small clubs, and yeah, yeah. that's yeah, sort of makes sense. I suppose. And it's kind of built around Toby Green too. Yep, is he a nice bloke? Yeah, he is. 
Yeah, because I, I I I hate watching him. I hate watching him play against us, but I love watching him play every other day of the week. Yeah, he's a brilliant player, oh. brilliant guy, greatly misunderstood. Um, and look to be, I, I saw something written about him the other day, and that was for someone to go from being a super influential midfielder to going down to play in the hardest position on the ground shows you how good he is, but also how dedicated he is to to performing well. And for him to kick as many goals and be all Australian as a as a half forward flanker, which He's got tricks. It's just I insa- love watching he's insane. Who he's got an tricks. amazing player. Yeah. Where, where did he grow up? Uh, he's from uh, Kew or Camberwell or somewhere oh, okay. around. There. Yeah, he's from Melbourne. But he's from like he's got he grew up rough, didn't he? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can only tell this one story. When when the Giants first started, uh, I was working at before the game, the TV show, yep. and uh, we had Toby Green was the first ever Giant we had on, and he said, "Can I bring two mates?" And we're like, yeah, yeah, sure, they can hang out in the green room, all good. Uh, Toby goes on, they interview him, it's all good. Whenever that show finished, everyone was back to the green room. There was a, there was two slabs normally put on, and uh, we go back into the green room. The drinks are gone. <laughs> Toby's not done it. It's just Toby's mates have drunk it all and and flogged a few, and they are wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, try telling Mick Malloy at the end of his working week that there's not many beers, that yeah. there's no beers left. It was not, he was not popular. Mm. <laughs> oh, good on him. Yeah. So, uh, Kev, where a question we often ask in this podcast is, where were you on October first, two thousand sixteen? Now, you have been a, a, a even at that stage an absolute veteran of the club, thirty mm. years service, mm. probably a life membership already by Did then. I have, yes. And I believe I was told once that your dream. Yep. was always to be at Witten Oval the Sunday after the grand final to w- bring the players out to that, that Kim Jong-un moment yep. where the crowd goes nuts and you can do no wrong. Now, um, I got to live your dream and, yeah, I, you and I thank you for it. Where were you? In Epworth Hospital. Uh, high on morphine and in great pain with gout. Gout. <clears throat> yeah, gout. That's the most Stop. first world Just disease. Laugh. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get gout? I mean, host of a food podcast. Well, but, I don't uh, know, to be honest. Uh, to this day, I still don't know because I've been off the. Uh, I haven't uh, had a, an alcoholic drink for about seven years now, so I was off. The, I was off the grog. So it's that fallacy about being caused by grog is rubbish. It's whatever acid it is that forms in your body, and I, I started to get uh, pains in my knees. At what I say? At what period during the, the that magical month? Did you uh, th- get the first symptoms? I watched the GWS game. Obviously, we got into the grand. Oh, the prelim! Uh, I was I was on the couch here um, in absolute agony, but hauling at the same time from getting into a grand final. Had you seen a doctor yet? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> I, went, I was about to say, how long did you delay it? <laughs> yeah. I went and saw a doctor on Monday. They tried to do the uh, the scans on my knees. I couldn't actually straighten my legs. So wow. I couldn't actually have the scans done. I was that much pain. I couldn't. Walk. I was actually getting around the house on my office chair. What did you think mm. it was? Um, I thought it was just some sort of arthritic uh, sort of okay. reaction to something. I wasn't. Yep. I wasn't quite sure. But then we eventually went to the doctor, and he said, "I think you've got gout." And I said, "As everyone does, mate, I don't drink. I can't have gout." Yeah. And he mm-hmm. said, "No, no, I'm pretty sure it's gout." So then, next minute, I'm um, in hospital uh, with. Drips coming off me and morphine and all that sort of stuff. And the, the, when I had to make the call to Jared Hanks to say, 
I can't. I won't be able to. I, I can't go to the game because I had tickets. So, so was, when did you? Yeah. At what point during the week did you make that heartbreaking oh, call? That was uh, Brownlow Medal night. I, I said I knew. I, I knew I wasn't going to make it. You were. You were cooked. I, I knew I was gone. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Heartbreaking. Truly so heartbreaking. Had, had to, we gave the tickets to a friend of uh, my wife's. Uh, whose uh, dad was crook, um, and uh, fortunately he got to see the grand final, uh, uh, the win. Uh, so that was that was terrific. So it was good to see the tickets go to someone. Yeah. And then I had to phone Jared and say, "Mate, I'm in no condition to do this. I can't do it." And it, it, oh. that broke my heart. Yeah. And then Sunday morning, sitting in the hospital watching um, <laughs> Peter Gordon fall into the flower, the stand, and Billy Brown and Doug and all those people at the at the Sunday morning thing, and then to see the photos. Yeah, I, I said I, I got a, a president's award or something about two thousand and five or six from David Smorgan and uh, and I think it was Cam Rose at that stage, and they said what 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 do you what what do you want to do? What haven't you done at this club? And I said the thing I want to do is stand out on that balcony out there and and say, ladies and gentlemen, here are the premiers and yep. I didn't get to do it, but I might. Get, I might get to do it this year. Yes. Mm. Well, I'll fight you for it because it was a good gig. No, no, no. no. You in, get it. In, you get it this time. I That's was fine. in pain and uh, watching the grand final. Uh, uh, the first half, um, Sarah was with Sarah and Hayden with me for the first half, and then that's your family. They chuffed off, yeah. So they chuffed off after that. But uh, you know, so well, they hang on, they left. What yeah. Do you, what do you mean? Oh, we were, we were the hospital's only like a. Oh, they were in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. you're right, 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 a, a right, right. From uh, a kick from the MCG, and there were people everywhere. So it was one of those things where you get out of town now before you get caught in a rush. And I watched the second half of the uh, grand final, enjoyed, absolutely loved it, but. Yeah, in sound mind and body. No, the morphine was kicking in. Okay. (laughs) How how many goals did you think Tom Boyd had kicked? (laughs) (laughs) Eighteen. Hey, tell us about your son. Uh, This is treacherous. Who does he go for? Well, he was born a bulldog, and I uh, the day after he was born on the fourth of May, I went and registered him. He's a Star Wars baby. Yeah, a bit of uh, he's a third of May. A bit of a bit of uh, peer group pressure and a bit of uh, sort of school. People getting in his head, he barracks for Collingwood. Oh, yeah, it's a tough existence as a Wasn't child. Wasn't this year in round one. No, no, that's right. Yes. So I do remember going to school in those footy jumper days. I mean, Carlton, that we had a decent representation, but there were some clubs who I felt very sorry oh, for. Oh, yeah. It's a ruthless industry. Yeah. No, I always felt proud that I was the only bulldog. At my You're school. the only bulldog. No, there was one other, but I, it, it, it was a, there was a bloke who was in the year above me, who's I'm still uh, good mates with Shane. Um, he <laughs> he would do – yeah, so we, we would be the only bulldogs. But, yeah, grade six, I was the only bulldog. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Hayden's, uh, Hayden's gone to the dark side. He's Collingwood. So. And how's he feeling about that decision right not, now? Not terrific. He's, he's having a really good week. He, uh, we barracked for the Melbourne victory. Oh. Uh, well, hang on. Women, great game in the W yeah. League. They, they won the grand that, final. That goal was sensational afterwards. The um the, yeah he barracks for Melbourne victory so he's not happy with that their coach got sacked he's a Tottenham Hotspur supporter <laughs> so Jose got the uh, the flick so uh, Luke Beveridge be very afraid well I would just consider I know this is completely off topic for a for a Bulldogs podcast but that European Super League what what do you thought what a horrible thing so for those who aren't across soccer it's the equivalent of Collingwood Carlton Richmond Essendon Hawthorne all saying well. Rather than the actual finals, we're just going to play a tournament every September yep. because that'll have a bigger TV rating and we're guaranteed the it's income the from that. It's the rich getting richer. It's mm. a horrible, horrible... For, 48 hours of a dream that came crashing yeah. down very rapidly. <laughs> didn't, it, didn't it go Jeez, The vitriol fast. surrounding it was 
insane. It was I've horrible. never seen anything like it. And I, re- I was very happy with Leeds United, who I don't know if you saw this, were, when they, they played Liverpool just after it was announced, and they had T-shirts made up for their warm-up that had the Champions League logo, and it said, earn it. <laughs> oh, okay. I did Very see that good. T-shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that that's a big mistake. Super, the rugby league tried that with Super League, and that's not yeah. the rich getting richer is not a scenario you want to see. Nah, nah. So what we want is to open up all of the leagues, so then St Kevin's can finally work their way up into the AFL, and we can see Tom Boyd Imagine. finally get that Norm Smith he's deserved. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've recruited heavily, so maybe you never know. <laughs> so was that was that with was that your first like proper game? Or Second. Was it? Yeah, we oh. still played Collegians in the first round. Josh Pruden. Bulldogs uh, oh, legend. Boy, yeah, yeah, he's a good, good fellow. It was really good to see him. So we got the job done against them round one. And then, uh, yeah, old Brighton. So the big week this week, Xavier. So oh. apparently oh. they're, you know, I don't know, some sort of like rival or something. But oh. you know, I'm not part of the same Kevin's fraternity for that long. So I'm just there for the good times. <laughs> Did you work out what the nickname of the club is? Yeah, well, so it is the Saints, but okay. it's never referred to as the Saints. Um, so the Saints in the song, which, by the way, Sorry for everyone to say, Kevin, it's a rubbish song. What is it? So it's not, oh, when the Saints go marching in? It, so that's like the last verse, uh, which is tacked on the back of the song. It's not part of it. It's very, very... So um, it's, what, it's like a day in the life of the Beatles. It's four different songs put together. <laughs> well, it, it, so at local clubs, there's always there's always the, the song and then often they tack on whatever, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, catchy bit to finish because yep. usually their song's not written particularly well. Yeah. I remember yep. in Norwood there was a couple of sort of choice uh, finishing songs that they had. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, the Saints finishes it off, which is the only bit that I know, so I can sort of get involved in that because the, it's the tempo is not even that good, so I can't really just pretend either. Oh, I just have to stand no. there and just smile, and whoever else doesn't know it. <laughs> Actually, wait, Tommy, let me ask you this: When did we? When did the Bulldogs start wooing incessantly during the Saints? Uh, Luke Dalhouse. I, I think, thought it yeah, was. Yeah, I think it was Luke. Yeah. Was there a particular game and then he just kept going with it? Well, when you win enough, you get to practice these sort of things. And so 2015 <laughs> and 16 obviously is when many of the probably song traditions started, I'd say. I yeah. mean, and, and music in the room. Like, all that started oh, in okay. the two years um, after Luke got there. So the music after the games is, yeah. wow, geez, do you boys go off? Well, we, we used to have this, and it's something that kind of makes me a little sad looking back. It's a bit nostalgic. But we used to have a couple of songs we'd play before the game. We'd have a couple we'd play afterwards. Well, we'd have Australian that- Crawl, play Errol after the game, and the whole room. Rooms would go insane, and that was Errol. Errol, I, that would, was, that it, was our, I would do anything just to be like yeah, you, that one. Yeah, yeah okay. And that would that would that would be our you know our Victory moment that, that ten minutes after the game where you just relief. Don't have to worry if you played good, bad, or indifferent. As long as you won, Errol. that was the ten minutes, Errol. and it's not quite as uh, what, quite as good anymore. Can you tell us the pre-match songs, or are they, uh, are they sacrosanct? No, we used to. It was I think Drake had it. We had a couple of Drake songs, we were very hip hop oriented before games. Okay. Sort of a lot of bass and building up to a to a big game, and um, it didn't always work. I mean, I still remember listening to these songs, being real hot for it, and then we got bent by Geelong down there <laughs> by, about, by about ten goals, and Luke Dalhouse hurt himself, and Jack McRae did his hammy. That was the sort of that was the defining game before the the finals in 2016. That game. So that was Libba's return or Libba got injured as well. Libba got injured. That's it. Um and yeah, so that was when all of the everything looked uh, down and devastating. And Drake was never Drake has been banned from Witten over. No, he kept going. He, kept he going. made it all the way through to the granny and then it sort of died off after that. Man. So we, how was it when, when you first started at the uh, the club? It was, well, uh, the, the was Beethoven played live? Or? It, it made, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. The Beatles actually was reformed. Uh, I remember at one stage uh, the boys, we got together, the boys said, come around to winter at Ricky Kendi's house. Rick Kendi, uh, Murray Rance, Brian Royal, Stephen Wallace. I can't remember who else was there. There was about five or six of us. 
and they came up with a chant. They wanted a chant that they could have when they ran out onto the ground for Mick. Mm. Mick E. Malthouse, he's our man. That was the first line of it. Um, so they came up with a chant that all the players actually learnt and they, when they went to the next training session, they did it as they went out onto the ground because we weren't going well at that stage. I think mm. that might have been 86. I think we might have been struggling then. It was coming off the back of the 85 prelim. Um, so that was as near as we got to... It was I Have a Tiger and terrible songs like that in the 80s and 90s. Mick Malthouse being too happy about a chant. Nah, <laughs> nah. I, I don't know what's more surprising, the fact that they came up with a chant about Mick Malthouse, the fact that I knew three of the players you just mentioned. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that's right. I know Murray reasonably well through Steve and, yep. uh, and, and the family, and I also know Brian. So there you go. Yeah. How good's that? So how do you think we're going to go on the weekend, Kev? What's your uh, – what, are you feeling optimistic? I mean, we're five and zip. I mean, this is the, they keep saying this is the first time since 1946 the immortals of 46 I where we like got bundled fact, out first week of the finals. I like the fact that Melbourne has turned on Canberra-type weather this week in the uh, in the lead-up. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to be handy because it'll be as cold <laughs> yeah, as charity. Yeah, yeah. There. What's Monica like? Is it, It's about the same size as the G, isn't it? Uh, it's a brewing ground to play on. It is quite big um, and – there's no real crowd factor or anything. Yep. It's just it's just travel time. I mean, it's like I was speaking to someone about it. Anyone who has to come to play us in Ballarat from interstate, oh, for, it is the toughest trip in footy because yep. we keep doing Queensland teams. Yeah. It's genius. We play. Yeah. It's it's it is it is actually a genuine home field advantage <coughs> because flying down, setting yourself up at the airport, waiting for your bags, getting on a bus, getting to a hotel, checking in. It's a full day of travel. Oh yeah, and it is a horrible place to travel all the way from sunny yeah. Queensland yeah. to sleet. On a Sunday, <laughs> you know, so because um, the rest of Victoria could be forty degrees, possibly you know bushfires yeah. happening, but it'll still be one degree in Ballarat. Yeah. And speaking of sleet, like I've played at Monica when it's been snow, like Whoa. proper snow. We used to play uh, NEFL games there before the ones, and it was just pure frozen ice all over the ground. It was it's one of the coldest places I've ever played. So I'm happy we've turned on the Canberra weather this week to get the boys ready. I think we'll go okay. Yeah, mm. oh, look, we're going to lose a game. At some stage, we'll lose a game. We probably need to lose one at some stage. <clears throat> Just not in the next two weeks. Not against Giants or Tigers. Mm. Uh, see, no, I never understand that. Why do we need <laughs> to lose? Sorry, why do we need to lose a game? It's as much of a psychological thing as anything. But it's very difficult to um, to spend one hundred percent of your energy trying to work out what's wrong when you're winning every single week. And at some point, someone's going to be able to question what is not quite perfect going on at the Bulldogs, which is whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very hard to have a reality check if you're always always winning. Yeah. yeah so I think that's part of it. Winning yeah. papers over the cracks, I mm. guess you're saying. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Good, and it, it also is better having, and this is a, 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 the truth of football and sport in general, it's always better to have problems whilst you're winning than it is whilst you're losing. Oh, yeah. Right? But there is some utility, I think, in losing a game against a really good side yep. who says we actually know how to you know, find the chink in your armour. So when at the press conferences after you've won five in a row and the coach is standing there saying, I oh, know there's a lot we could improve on, is that just rubbish? Um, no, I think, look, I think in the Bulldogs situation, we played some teams who aren't quite up to it against yeah, okay. us. I mean, and look, we're going to overwhelm a lot of teams with our midfield. It's just going to happen. Yeah. I mean, especially with the rule change and the players we've got in there, we're going to overwhelm teams. So we're actually not going to get challenged until we come up against a really good midfield. So our backline hasn't really been challenged yet. Yeah. And now Bailey's out, obviously, having the operation. Yeah. Gardner's Hang on, injured. you can't just say Bailey. Bailey Williams. Bailey Williams. There's 12. Yeah. Hey, hang on, that's the question we always ask. Who's your favourite Bailey? 
I'm I'm loving Barty Williams yeah, more so and more every week. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's good. He's a seriously good player. He reads it beautifully. And, and the other thing is we probably haven't been challenged to find enough goals outside of our midfield. I mean, I know Brucey kicked 10, don't get me wrong, but let's talk about week by week on average, we, we still need to find some goals up, up in our forward half and our midfield has been getting on the scoreboard a lot lately. And so when do we get to the stage where we've got a top-class midfield against a top-class midfield? Mm. It's an absolute scrap in there and we need to find a winning score. Yeah. So yep. that's going to be the challenge of the season. That's what stands up in finals. And that's we where need we're... that Boyd factor. We've got to find that. <laughs> the first of October right. Boyd factor. The Matthew Boyd factor is what we need. <laughs> yeah, that's right. By the way, Bailey Dale, 27% percent uh 92%. Is that mine? I think it's yours. Mine. How long have you worked in radio, keeping your phone on? Yeah. <laughs> he's been dinging the whole episode. I oh, know. He's very popular. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we should wrap. Is there any other business that you have, uh, Tom or Kev? Anything you need to plug? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm I'm happy. Life of Brian podcast, the Rock and Roll podcast, and the Food Bites podcast, and and I've done I'm doing one called Authorized too, which where I talk to authors. Oh, all sorts of weird ones. The last one I did, the, the current one, is a book on uh, women in Sydney post World War Two who poisoned their husband with a thing called um, thallamin, mm. thallium. Rhymes with thallium, but it's rat poison. Okay. No, I'm killing them off, so I've talked to the author of that book. So, yeah. Kids well, not, book? not quite as exciting. I've got a book coming out next year, Kev, so maybe we can get me on at some stage. Yeah, really? Authorised, book it in. That's right. What, what, is it, in. what is it, Kev? What's, what's your book? Can you tell us? Oh, is it secret. about no. a boy, boy wizard? Or, uh, no, no, no. It's um, it's designed to be useful for young people dealing with mental health. And, uh, oh, like, good. So. That's on brand. That's good. Kev, you wrote the, the biography of uh, Rodney, Rodney Eade. Yep. All right. Well, let's finish. Is there, what's, is there any great stories of Rodney Eade that uh, you couldn't put in the book or, or just a favourite from the book, uh, I enjoyed the story where, and I, I don't know whether you did. I don't think you did it in your uh, in your. I did uh, ask him about around. it, but it didn't make the edit. When yeah, I did uh, the three six in five San Francisco, stuff. in the, you know that hill in San Francisco that everyone yep. talks about. Well, they the, the world's windiest street. Yeah, a bunch mm. of them went up the top of it, mm. and they're in a higher car, so you don't care. Yeah, so you're at the top of the you, you, <laughs> yeah. You're so the Eastwood. trams running down is that one? You're right? Clint Eastwood in Magnum or whatever it was, and you're, you're sitting at the top of that hill. Uh, Steve McQueen in Bullet. That's, That's it. it. Ian Ian Payton and uh, and Rocket and a whole stack of those Hawthorne players of the seventies and eighties were in this car. They've gone. Let's do it. So, <laughs> so they they hit it. They go down this hill at uh, some ridiculous uh, speed. Bang, 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 up and down, up and down, and, and get to the bottom, stop, screech, and everyone's going, oh, God, how good was that? That was fantastic. Little voice in the back of the car belonging to one Rodney E goes, let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in to uh, Danny Boyd. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, uh, hopefully when the dogs are seven. Seven, seven and zip. Oh, in 1946, we got to nine and zip. So That doesn't bode well. Let's nah. just get to seven, lose one, keep going. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, so we, need, we need to lose one. We need to lose one. So you're saying we should lose to Carlton in three weeks. Right, what if we lose in round 17? That'd be good. Round 17, sharpen us up, five good weeks to yeah. four good weeks to finish. It'd be like the Bombers in 2000 when they lost to us. Mm. Oh, we, we get pumped that. in round 23. That worked pretty well the last time. Yeah, right. <laughs> two. If we need so, Matthew Pavlich to play his 400 yeah, somehow. Some, someone to retire in the last round and then that'll... Oh, five for, Mon- five for Monday you'll do? Yeah, one of them. I don't know who... Are we playing them last round again? I don't think so. I no, think we're okay. playing Port. So who's who's old at Port? That we can- uh, Travis Boak, but he's playing until he's 45, he tells yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, we'll plan how we do the rest of the season. Uh, if you are in uh, Sydney on May 1st, I'd love to see you at the Enmore Theatre. And if you're in Melbourne uh, this Sunday, come to the They Came to Play Anzac Day Extravaganza. It's a day for all the people who aren't Collingwood and Essendon fans, which is in August, uh, to enjoy the footy and, and heckle those teams we, we don't love. We'd love to uh, see you there. Thank you very much, Kev. My pleasure. Thank you, boys. Thanks, Kev. What they say, there's no fast way out of foot Today's episode was proudly brought to you by 8 Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. What they say, there's no fast way.